Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 33, verses 1 through 11. Show me your glory. We're in Exodus 33 tonight. Show me your glory. We're going to do the chapter in two parts. And uh, part B will be verses 12 and following. So we'll do the first 11 verses tonight. Show me your glory is the title. Why don't you, uh, once you have it, if you're able to stand with us, stand for the reading of God's word. Exodus 33, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, depart, go up from here, Exodus 33, 1, you and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Going up to a land flowing with milk, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, because you are an obstinate people, and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard this sad word, they went into mourning, and none of them put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the sons of Israel, You are an obstinate people. Should I go up in your midst for one moment, I would destroy you. Now, therefore, put off your ornaments from you, that I may know what I shall do with you. So the sons of Israel stripped their, themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went to the tent that all the people would arise and stand each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Father, as we muse on these incredibly powerful, insightful words of Scripture, we already know, as your people, that the Word of God is alive, living, powerful, sharp, effective. Really, the only thing required is that we are a good soil, ready to have ears to hear what the Spirit says to us in this day, in this very hour. And there's a lot to be said tonight, Lord, and a lot for us to hear and to apply. Give us wisdom as we teach and receive the Word of God and act upon it. May you be glorified tonight. Show us your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, if you agree, would you say, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Show me your glory. Verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses. Now, 
What's happened in the previous chapter, if you're new to the book of Exodus or new to the most recent studies, is we are on the heels of the sin uh, with the golden calf, and the people took off their ornaments or their jewelry, and they gave it to Aaron, uh, who would be the first high priest of Israel, and the golden calf was constructed, and the people committed sin around the golden calf, and Moses came down to confront the people's sin. And you remember that they... He, he ground up the calf into powder, threw it in the water. The people drank that. Uh, it was an ugly scene. 3,000 people were executed, probably the ringleaders of what had taken place. And now the whole people of God were reeling and probably wondering what was going to happen next. And Moses went up to God. And in that role of mediator or intercessor, he said, Lord, please forgive the people's sin. And if you won't, then what? Blot me out of your book. And in an incredible act of, uh, I would just say, a shadow of the Messiah, the mercy of God, doing very much what Paul would say in Romans 9, uh, basically separate me, put me under the curse of God for the sake of my kinsmen, that is the Jewish people, said Paul very much like Moses, of course, all following the lead of the Messiah. But the Lord said, no, whoever commits sin against me, I'll blot him out of my book. And that was kind of the last part of Exodus chapter 32. Whoever sins against me, I'll deal with him as an individual. And uh, you can see in the very last part, verse 35, the Lord smote the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. And that's where we leave off. And then we come to the Lord spoke to Moses. And so the Lord says, depart, go up from here, 33.1, you and the people. I want you to notice there's some distancing in the language. He doesn't say my people. He says the people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to. And now he goes back to the promise to the patriarchs. We go all the way back to the time of Abraham, which we're talking about the original promise in Genesis 12 where God says, I'm selecting you, leave your homeland. I'm going to show you the land. I'm going to make your descents as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. And this is the land that he swore to Abraham and then to the son of promise, Isaac, and then to Jacob, Jacob then becoming Israel. And you all remember the 12 tribes of Israel come from Jacob. To your descendants, I will give it. Despite what has happened in the ugly chapter of Exodus 32, God is always true to the oaths that he makes. And he swore a promise. And nothing was going to change that. But that generation that sinned against the Lord, I think most of you know, and this may be shocking if you haven't heard this before, but of that generation, really only two men uh, entered into the promised land. Not even Moses made it. They were all laid low in the wilderness because the writer of Hebrews says one reason, unbelief. They simply wouldn't take God at his word. And they didn't heed the warnings. And so God's going to be true for the sake of his promises nonetheless. Verse 2, I will send an angel. He doesn't say my angel. If you were with us previously when the Lord said my angel, for example, in 23.23 of Exodus or 32.24, Many scholars, many conservative scholars believe that that is the Messiah in the Old Testament or God the Son. 
uh, as the angel of the Lord leading the people. But now it's not my angel, it's an angel. You would think just an angel from the normal ranks, if you will. Troubling signs that God is distancing himself again before you. And I will drive out, I'm going to keep my promises, the Canaanite, the land, of course, is the land of Canaan. The Amorite, these are people groups who would be there. The Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, which has been described, uh, this land of promise, uh, as God is going to lead the people there. Now, I was reading one commentator who said that if you're curious about the time frame at Sinai, it's about 10 months that they've spent at Mount Sinai, give or take. So that just give you an idea. If you want to put it at about a year, that's the time that they've spent at the mountain of, of fire, you know, the law coming down, etc. All that time has been there. And now it's time to move on. It's a reminder of the big picture. Their exodus from Egypt was not about just arriving at Sinai and fumbling the ball and being cast out forever. God led them out of Egypt, a type of the world, to lead them into his promises. He had a land for them. He had a beautiful area that he had set aside. He had made promises hundreds of years before to the patriarchs about this land. And Abraham walked the land but never really owned anything there except for a graveyard. The promises would be realized in that next generation. And you know, as they go into the land and spy it out, they of course, continue to wallow in unbelief. So it's always good to be reminded of the big picture, right? Sometimes in our lives, you know, we get caught in the weeds of a lot of different things, but we need to know where we're going. We need to know the big plan because life can come at us in such, uh, you know, there's so many layers to life that we can get lost in those details. And so the big plan is that you've been rescued out of Egypt. I'll put that in quotes. And you're headed to the promised land. Amen. Now we're already, we already have the promises in Jesus, but the, the full fulfillment of our redemption still waits. And we'll talk about that as we go on. And so the Exodus was not just about getting out of there. It was about where they were headed. And I hope you know where you're headed in terms of your own life. An accompanying angel would be there. The land was flowing with milk and honey. So far, so good. So God's going to bring them out. He's going to be true to the oath that he made. But there is a catch. Verse 3. For I will not go up in your midst. Because you are an obstinate people. And I might destroy you on the way. Oh, one caveat. I'm not going with you. I want you to just let that sink in for a second. Because the only thing that makes the people of Israel the people of Israel, the only thing that makes me the man I am, you the man or woman that you are, is who I am in Jesus Christ. That's how pretty much I look at my life now. Amen? Can you imagine being this people, experiencing everything that you've experienced, you blow it, you, you know, you commit this terrible sin, now you hear a renewed hope a lot of people have died. There's been a some sort of plague that's happened. And now God says, okay, uh, we're going. We're going to move on to the promised land. Just one caveat. I'm not going with you. That is brutal. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
you can watch videos of Pastor Michael's teachings. 19 chapters later! We know sometimes you hear Pastor Michael mention slides or give other demonstrations, and we have made sure you have access to all the videos from his Sunday sermons. The modern application could be the power of the sword with, for example, a police officer. Watching the videos can also be a good way to see how animated Pastor Michael can be. Even if you have to gulp after you've prayed it. And Lord, one more thing, not my will. You can watch the video from today's teaching when you visit walkintruth.com. We also live stream one of our Sunday morning services. Pastor Michael believes fellowship is important, so he prefers you attend your church on Sunday mornings. Or you can visit our church, Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. Before we jump into it, would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the youth upstairs enjoying a little bit of a party and celebration. But Pastor Michael understands some circumstances make it difficult to attend church services in person. So, you are invited to watch our 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time service. God is not caught by surprise. A golden calf, I can't believe it. Moses may have been, God was not. To watch Pastor Michael's teachings live, hear the worship music and fellowship from where you are, follow our YouTube channel. You can find the link and information on walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Jesus is coming again. Do you believe it? We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. A lot of people have died. There's been a some sort of plague that's happened. And now God says, okay, uh, we're going. We're going to move on to the promised land. Just one caveat. I'm not going with you. That is brutal. Riken writes in his commentary, in the novel The Hobbit by Tolkien... He tells how Bilbo Baggins and a dozen dwarves traveled to the Lonely Mountain, defeated a terrible dragon, and returned home with golden treasures. Their companion for the first part of the journey was Gandalf the Grey, a man of unusual wisdom and extraordinary power. Gandalf served as the guardian and guide and sometimes their savior. But Gandalf could not always be with them. Midway through their journey, as they As the traveling party prepared to enter the forest of Mirkwood, they unexpectedly learned that Gandalf would not be going with them. This unhappy news was greeted with instant dismay. The dwarves groaned and looked most distressed, and Bilbo wept. They had begun to to think Gandalf was going to come all the way and would always be there to help them through all their difficulties. They begged him not to leave. They offered him dragon gold and silver and jewels, but he would not change his mind. When traveling through dangerous and unfamiliar territory, says Riken, it is good to have a guide and devastating to lose one. And if you've ever been somewhere where you didn't really know the surroundings or you didn't really know where you were going, if you had a local, if you had someone who knew the territory and knew the you know, language and the ways and stuff like that, it made life a whole lot easier. But you can, you can imagine the power of that example in, uh, you know, Tolkien's work, and you can imagine how much more significant this is. It's not that God couldn't control his anger. His distancing himself from the people here is an act of mercy. Remember, they had broken his law, broken the covenant, 
And what they deserved was to be wiped out. They deserved the wrath of God. And so God, in an act of mercy, says, I'm not going to go with you because should I go with you, I would destroy you. And remember, the limited divine presence is an act of mercy, but God's intention, if you've been with us, in laying out the whole tabernacle was to dwell among his people, to be in the center of the tribes. When you look at the configuration of the tribes, it actually makes the sign of a cross and the tabernacle sits in the middle of it. And now God is not going to be in the middle of the people. He's going to be outside the camp. He's going to be distanced from them. Jesus came to tabernacle among us. We know to dwell among us in John 1.14. We beheld his glory, says John. But what separates us from what God wants to do in our lives is one word. And the word you all know well is sin. Sin separates us from God. And the people had sinned and God is holy. And that holiness has been on display all through the book of Exodus. Our God is a consuming fire. When the people heard this sad word, verse 4, they went into mourning and none of them put on his ornaments. That seems to be a comprehensive way to describe their jewelry that they left Egypt with. When the people heard this, they went into a sad mourning. Can you imagine the heartbreak for those who had come to trust the Lord? What would it mean to you to face life without God? What would it mean to you if someone walked in to a church service, for example, or in some setting and said to you, uh, I have some tough news. Here's the news. Uh, God has decided he no longer wants to be with humans. He's decided to revoke his promises, <laughs> to take away what you had hoped for. I mean, can you imagine how devastated you and I would be? I, I mean, I, I survey the room and those who are watching tonight, and I know we have a lot of committed believers, and you've built your whole lives on this foundation of God being at the center of everything that you are and where you're headed and your values and all of that. Can you imagine how hard it must have hit Aaron and others who were, you know, Levites and in the inner circle? I'm not going with you. And the people cried. And I'm sure it was a very, very sad scene. Maybe if you could imagine in your mind one of the saddest funerals you've ever been at or a sad time you've ever experienced, well, there you have it. What would it mean to face life without God? No divine presence in the camp. No tabernacle. Nothing sacred. But is this where we're headed as a culture? See, we have lost a sense of the sacred in our culture. Let me just... Walk it out for you a second. I think you and I both know that there are a lot of people who want the promises of God without the presence of God. For example, there are a lot of people who want to pray a sinner's prayer and they want to end up in the good place. That would be heaven. But they don't really want any accountability to God. They don't want Jesus to be the king of their life. They simply want to get out of hell free card, and then they're going to live their life however they are going to live it. They want the promises without the promiser. 
They want the benefits of the kingdom without the king. They don't want the accountability. They don't want anything that goes with it. So let's not be shocked. In fact, some people might say, well, it might be better that way. Then I don't have to keep the rules. Then I don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments or anything else. And that's where we are today. Diminishing numbers of people who claiming to be Christians, people who want heaven, but they don't want the God of heaven. That's the situation that Israel was in. Think about the implications. Think about Israel without a tabernacle. All the tabernacle furniture points to Christ, including the tent itself. Imagine there's no altar of sacrifice. There's no labor of cleansing. There's no lampstand for life, light. There's no table of showbread. There's no incense for prayer. There's no ark for atonement. There's no glory. What do you do now? You've been listening to Show Me Your Glory, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 33, verses 1 through 11. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak to you if you need prayer or counsel. If you're having a hard time and need someone to talk to, or maybe you don't feel like talking at all, but you could use some prayer, call Walk in Truth on Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Once again, 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Was you consider Moses' intimate relationship with the Lord, a face-to-face relationship? This is the beautiful picture of what it means to be in the New Covenant, to know the Lord intimately face-to-face, as it were, as the Spirit of the living God lives inside every believer. And if you're a believer, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We watch Moses moving back and forth to the tent and interacting with God in this intimate way. And, And maybe today, as you listen to Christian radio, maybe you don't know anything about intimacy with God, or maybe you're a backslidden Christian And it's something like this. Maybe you feel God's turned away from you. Maybe you wonder if you'll ever experience the beauty of his presence again. Maybe that's because you're backslidden or maybe your emotions have gotten the best of you or maybe you're spiritually dry or maybe you have to some degree or another walked away. What do you do now? How do you recapture intimacy with the Lord? You know, on a human level, If we want to recapture intimacy with a person, let's just say a friendship, what would we do? We'd reach out to that person. We Maybe we'd say, hey, can we meet for coffee? Can we talk? If there was some issue, we'd want to address it face to face. Now, I know today, in today's world, sometimes it's an email or a text, but we all know that the best way to recapture relationship is face to face. So, If that's you, and this relates specifically to your situation and your walk with the Lord, just get before him and seek his face. You know, the book of Psalms, and I can think of a few places where it talks about seeking the face of God. What does that mean? That means that you're desiring intimacy. And we all need to continually pursue that with the Lord. And you know what I found? If you draw near to him, and this is 
in the book of James, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so you can bank on that. And maybe the emotions won't always be there. Maybe you won't always, quote unquote, feel it. But you can walk by faith, not by sight. and Know that if you've done your part, God will certainly do his. And he is gracious to do his part, even when we fall short. This is Pastor Michael Lance. We're walking through the incredible book of Exodus, a book about salvation, really. And um, we are in chapter 33 as we watch Moses in his great relationship with the Lord. Hey, if we can minister to you in any way, we have a website where you can reach out to us. You can connect with us. You can find out more about the ministry. You can learn how to become a partner with us. And that all can happen at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. If you're brand new to the broadcast, welcome aboard. Uh, This is the style of teaching we do. We try to get in-depth in books of the Bible, chapter by chapter. And uh, we happen to be jumping around a little bit in the latter part of Exodus as we air these broadcasts. But I pray it's been a blessing to you. Tell a friend about what you're hearing. Send us a note over the website about how the ministry has been a blessing to you. Walkintruth.com. And we'll see you right here, Lord willing, tomorrow. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a monthly Walk in Truth partner of at least $10 a month or give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 33, verses 1 through 11, called Show Me Your Glory. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.